The top news of the day certainly has to do with the impeachment of Donald Trump or the efforts thereof. But what about the impeachment of Barack Obama? Yes, I realize he's no longer president, but where was the mainstream media? When the foreign policy of the immediate past president of the United States engineered a destabilization in the Middle East. I mean, think about this. We had the Arab Spring. We had the assassination of Libya's head of state. We promoted the Muslim Brotherhood as a foreign policy partner. And we sent Iran billions of dollars in cash. Is there some hypocrisy here? We're going to talk about it on this edition of Hidden Headlines with a special guest, Bill Wilson of The Daily Jot. Welcome everyone to Hidden Headlines, Faith, Family, Freedom. More on me at briansussman.com. Let's go back to 2010. The Arab uprisings. How much of it was Barack Obama's fault The Arab Spring, that's what they called it, of course. It produced a catalog of horrors in which almost everything went wrong. The mainstream media watched all of this silently. In fact, if anything, they were providing cover for Barack Obama. A lot of what he was doing was way off the charts bad and even illegal, let alone immoral. The prospects for peace in the Middle East as a result of the Arab Spring have rarely uh, looked more grim. And there are more rounds of upheaval, more state failures, more sudden regime collapses, more insurgencies, more proxy wars. It's worse than ever in the Middle East. Now, to his credit, things have been stabilized somewhat because of Donald Trump, because he's gone after the terrorist organizations like, for example, ISIS and for the most part, put them out of business. But even honest liberal historians, if there are any, will agree that Barack Obama made serious mistakes on, for example, in Syria. Let's start with Syria. He delivered an ultimatum to the president of Syria. That was uh, dictator Bashar al-Assad. And in the process, he emboldened and eventually armed Assad's rebels. These were street rebels. So in other words, you had the United States government supporting Islamist rebels who were trying to take out the dictator of Syria. And that's where we pick up our discussion with Bill Wilson from the Daily Jot. I asked Bill about this. Oh, yes. The, the sad part about a lot of this was that there in Syria... And then eventually in, in uh, Libya, uh, the, the efforts of the United States government under the leadership of, uh, of Barack Obama were uh, supporting uh, factions to overthrow government, but those factions were uh, offshoots or franchises of al-Qaeda, the Taliban, and ISIS. Mm-hmm. And so we, our money went into arming them mm-hmm. and working to solidify their political base. And, uh, you know, the, the, the government was not telling the people about this, obviously, and the reporters that knew about it uh, weren't reporting it either. 
Meantime, in Libya, Bill, Obama's mistakes brought total disaster. I don't think there's any other way to describe it. We had that U.N.-authorized intervention in Libya, and this goes bad right off the bat. We help rebel forces overthrowing Gaddafi, who's eventually tortured and executed on grainy video. And this encourages Syrian rebels to provoke Assad's overwhelming firepower on the assumption that they, too, would receive Western cover, which only added to their fate as dead rebels. So we, we aid in the overthrow of a government without putting a new one in place. This is Obama's intervention in the Middle East, which, in my opinion, and, and you, you wrote a lot about this, opened the door to proxy wars, which would shape the fate of the Arab uprisings altogether. So let's, let's talk about Libya, because that country went from worse to worser. Oh, yes. No, most definitely. And, uh, you know, I was going back through my notes on that because I had uh, written well, extensively about what was going on there mm-hmm. and uh, how the Obama administration had not only uh, provided arms to this, uh, this guy uh, that was, uh, you know, rising up against uh, Gaddafi, but... Uh, his fighting force had killed American soldiers in uh, in Iraq, and uh, they'd migrated over there to to go ahead and overthrow that government. And the United States was uh, supporting them. Uh, this is under Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. And when uh, the United States used the United States Air Force and military uh, forces. To, to bomb that area in support of this guy, um, you know, Congress called on him to to abide by the War Powers Act, and he never did. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, instead of 60 days, which I think is what the War Powers Act does, uh, he never bothered, and and it went on for more than six months. You're right. Conservatives were crying foul, but. Those on the left were silent, as were their accomplices in the media. But, Bill, think about this. Our government was supporting Islamist street rebels in their effort to oust Muammar Gaddafi, who, bad as he was, he was not a threat to the United States. And what did we get for it? What did the people of Libya get for it? They got chaos. And in the process, the War Powers Act, as you mentioned, is totally trampled. So now let's take it to the present when Trump recently okayed the hit on that notorious Iranian terrorist, Soleimani. I mean, right? And here today we have uh, a situation where a president orders the execution of a really bad guy, uh, and it doesn't create a war. No Americans were harmed in it, and, uh, and lives were saved. And, you know, the Democratic Congress, which did nothing when Obama did this, mm-hmm. went, you know, totally bonkers, crying uh, violation of War Powers Act and another uh, reason why we should impeach this man before he gets us all killed and everything. Um, so you can see over the documentation of time, uh, you know, how the, the hypocrisy plays out and the double-mindedness of it. And you just wonder sometimes what the, what the true uh, foreign policy of the United States would be. 
Boy, that's a that's a great point. As you as you speak, Bill, I'm thinking the United States literally approved the assassination of Libya's head of state, supported uh, a Muslim Brotherhood, Al Qaeda, ISIS-backed military group to do the dirty deed, and there was no outrage from the Democrats in Congress or the mainstream media. Nope, not at all. Not at all. In fact, they 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 barely reported it. The the United States news media uh, just refused to report anything, in my opinion, that was that was uh, uh, negative on this Obama administration. And even to this day, they can sit there and say with a straight face that they had no scandals when the whole thing was just rife with uh, corruption and foul play and, and worse things than what they're accusing the current president of doing. Yet the news media didn't cover it then. They do now. Mm-hmm. Well, then uh, there's there's another one. This is going back to 2013 when the White House announces it's entering into a deal with Iran to stop its nuclear program. This is ratified by the Senate in 2015. Let's talk about that deal, Bill. Well, here you go. Uh, he, he went ahead, uh, this is uh, President Obama went ahead and unilaterally cut a deal with the Iranians, uh, knowing, I guess, that he would get a Senate approval later to, to do it. The idea wasn't to stop the nuclear program uh, from Iran, but to kick the can down the road 10 years and, and have uh, uh, language that they could, uh, they could build it after 10 years. But... The real, the real uh, issue with that was that, see, we had been uh, uh, having sanctions on Iran that was, uh, was you know, uh, hurting their economy and their ability to complete their nuclear weapons program. What Obama did was <laughs> he sent over about $1.8 billion in cash on a pallet and uh, other countries and uh, that were, uh, you know, involved and the United States also relinquished these sanctions and started allowing them, uh, you know, credits on those sanctions that totaled over $300 billion. Well, what do you think happened? Well, the, the, uh, the cash was used to expand their, their nuclear program and the terrorist operation, despite them saying, oh, no, we're going to stop the, the nuclear program. They never did. They, they continued development of it, and they were able to, uh, to continue the, uh, the funding of uh, terrorism around the world and, and, you know, step it up, step it up. This Soleimani guy was the one that was uh, in charge of coordinating it, and, you know, it's all, all over the place. All over the place, what they did. So we had an American president directly contribute to a terrorist state that that went out and built more terrorism. It's it's amazing because again, uh, the 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 top shelf news of the day is about the Trump impeachment. And when I think about the case that's being made for impeachment, um, I, I can understand why some would say it's very flimsy. When we're talking about the Obama administration and this deal with Iran, and as you just mentioned, 
about $1.8 billion of cash on, a, on pallets. Uh, it seems to me like if there were ever an investigation worthy of potential impeachment, this might be it. Oh, and, you know, you know Obama never even denied it. Right. <laughs> I think he was proud of it. It's amazing. Uh, and and it, it, isn't it true? We only learned about this by chance. I think it was Representative Mike Pompeo from Kansas and Tom Cotton from Arkansas. They learned about all this during a meeting with the International Atomic Energy Agency in Vienna. Otherwise, we may never have known about this, if I have right. my facts correct. Well, and, and see, this is the whole thing. It's like the IAEA for years under... Uh, uh, Muhammad al I think is how you say it, Barati or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, you know, was, uh, who, who was part of the Muslim Brotherhood, he turned a, uh, a blind eye toward the, the nuclear uh, you know, operations that Iran was doing. Oh, I don't see any, uh, I don't see any weapons uh, that can be delivered. And, you know, I don't see a delivery system if they did make a weapon. So, no, they're not violating it. And so we've had years and years under El Verde where they were just allowed to do it despite, you know, the uh, U.N. Uh, uh, inspectors, you know, being played like cat and mouse game all the way through. And then so you have, uh, you have new regime come in, gets a little stiffer, mm-hmm. and uh, Obama pulls this trick, and you're right. Uh, if, if the other guy, Alberte, uh would have been in there, uh, we probably wouldn't have known about it. Wow. <laughs> you know, wow. it's just like uh, somebody decided to tell the truth, probably. What was the point of the deal, best you can tell? Because the deal would only last for the you know about ten years, a decade, and then Iran could go back to what they were doing in terms of you know building a bomb. What was the point of the deal? Well, from a cynical uh, perspective, uh, I think that there was maybe two things. One is that that because the news media is so lazy and so uh, so bought into the uh, the uh, leftist propaganda and supporting mm-hmm. socialism, that the uh, uh, Obama administration would get a lot of really good press by bringing peace to the Middle East with Iran. Okay. Uh, the second thing is, I think, and, and this is really cynical, I think the $300 billion that uh, they, they gave Iran was meant to build out an Islamic terrorist network and uh, it it had its it had its impact it did its job and the job it accomplished well Iran ended up with as you just heard 300 billion dollars this was money that was previously frozen And there are some estimates, as I'll get into in just a moment, that make us believe it could be closer to something like $420 billion. You know, it was one thing to relieve sanctions on Iran in exchange for the country to give up its nuclear weapons program. That was the idea. It was a quid pro quo. That was the purpose of imposing the sanctions in the first place. You can get your money and have access to those billions, but you're going to put the lid on your nuclear program for the time being. 
That's right, for the time being. You see, Barack Obama's administration and the other parties in this interim nuclear deal, which included Germany and France and Russia and China, they were willing to release to Iran between a third and a half a trillion dollars over the next 15 years. A third of a trillion, maybe half a trillion, low side, high side, over, over 15 years. In order for Iran to not give up the program, but to freeze it. In other words, they were going to be allowed to develop nuclear weapons someday, just not today. 15 years from now, you guys can go back at it. That was the deal. They weren't going to be giving up their program. They were just going to freeze it for a time. In other words, they were not restoring Iran's assets and income sources in exchange for permanently and irreversibly accepting international standards. No nuclear weapon production. These countries were just renting Iran's restraint, offering it access to hundreds of billions of dollars to make any future nuclear program development the problem of the next U.S. president or the one after that. This was just a feel-good for the Obama administration so they could look everyone in the eye and say, look at Barack Obama, the man who stopped the threat of nuclear war. And by the way, based on calculations, and those frozen assets also included oil revenues. And that's how you come up with a 15-year deal that could result in a relative gain of perhaps as much as 420, 420 billion dollars. So let's put it in perspective another way, because I think this kind of stuff is fascinating. And I know this, this is one of the reasons why so many listen to Hidden Headlines. The amounts in question that we're talking about give Iran the means to not only shore up its own weak economy, which they've been doing, but also extend their influence and buy weapons and underwrite terrorist groups to an even greater extent, extent that they were doing before all of this went down. And Barack Obama got away with it. Scott Free got away with it. Now you have uh, Donald Trump who comes in and uh, you know says, "Wait a minute! This this whole Middle East policy thing has gotten way out of whack." Um, and I think he could point back to George W. Bush, uh, even before Obama, and saying, "Hey, this is these things started under Clinton, or maybe they started under uh, uh, Carter." They had a reprieve during the Reagan years and then went back to, you know, the, the one world order uh, uh, concept, you know, in subsequent presidents. And Trump's sitting here saying, wait a minute, things are really out of whack. If we don't get them balanced, we're going to have real problems down the road here. So he pulls out of this agreement. He elevates Israel and uh, starts, you know, bringing in a counterbalance to what has been going on there. Um, and all of a sudden, Iran is put back in a place where this Ayatollah government is uh, is in a position to put up or shut up. And I think that the sanctions that, that uh, Trump put on them is going to hurt the country so bad that maybe we're going to see enough unrest in the Iranian people to get rid of this uh, 
this terrible government. Yeah, because there are some really great people living in Iran who do not like uh, the mullahs ruling, correct? Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have some friends that, that do work over there, uh, you know, in the church uh, underground. Mm -hmm. And what they're reporting back, really, is that that in these, these wonderful uh, mosques that they have in Iran, they're empty. And that the Christian underground church is thriving. I've heard the same thing. I've heard the same darn thing, Bill. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we're we're starting to see that this younger generation of uh, Iranians over there are tired of putting up with this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, prior to Jimmy Carter deposing the Shah of Iran, Iran was a modern country that that uh, was essentially living in, in peace and harmony, from what I understand. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, once uh, Carter helped destabilize it, this is what we have. We have, uh, you know, uh, a rampage of, uh, of terrorism and unrest and disruption. Uh, and, you know, you have to look at uh, Carter and his support for uh, the Palestinian movement uh, and uh, uh, the, what he did there with Iran to uh, disrupt, uh, you know, things in the Middle East. Uh, are these Democrats um, for the dark side? It, it sure would appear over the, their historic uh, actions that uh, that they certainly have a different uh, viewpoint of what Middle East policy should be. So now we come to Bill Wilson's writings in the Daily Jot that really capture my attention. He doesn't always do this, but again, oftentimes... As he talks about world events, he does so by viewing those world events through a biblical lens. And that was the case in his column from January 13th, where he writes, Strategically, Barack Obama locked in an irreversible pathway that accelerated world events towards the Ezekiel 38 prophecy. What's the Ezekiel 38 prophecy? Well, it's the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, chapter 38, where... Magog, Mesach, and Tubal, that's present-day Turkey by way of geography, leads Persia, which is present-day Iran, and Ethiopia, which is Sudan, and Libya, which is Libya, against Israel in the end times. And what does the Bible actually say will happen? Well, Ezekiel's prophecy specifically says that the motive for invading Israel is to, quote, capture spoil and seize plunder. Now, what's been happening in the Middle East? Well, under Obama, you had the Arab Spring, the assassination of Libya's head of state, the promotion of the terrorist Muslim Brotherhood group, the spread of ISIS, sending Iran billions of dollars in cash. The consequences of all that, especially in light of the fact that these entities hate Israel. I mean, on a on a weekly basis in the nation of Iran, thousands gather in the streets to chant death to Israel. So I asked Bill Wilson about this. You know, when we look at this particular uh, chapter 38 and 39 that Ezekiel uh, wrote, he's describing this, uh, this massive end-time battle where uh, these 
forces uh, coming out of, of uh, Turkey and Iran and uh, up from Libya and uh, uh, Sudan are are coming against Israel. It's a colossal end time battle, and so uh, you know the Lord is is uh, saying that He's He's putting a hook in their jaw, this Gog of Magog, and uh, and He's He's bringing them down to Israel, and and uh, they uh, they think they've got the forces to overwhelm Israel and to take a spoil, uh, to take a prey, and uh, he also brings Sheba and Dedan and Tarshish uh, with him, which is uh, you know over in, in parts of Saudi Arabia, uh, and so this. Uh, coalition is gathered there, and they're going to take it to uh, Israel. But the Lord steps in, and he, with with fire and brimstone, uh, and uh, you know, just overshow of great hailstones and and rain and and pestilence and so forth, he. He goes and, and, and defeats them, and uh, he says that, that uh, he does it so that he magnifies himself and sanctifies himself, and that he'll be known in the eyes of the many nations, and they'll shall know that he is the Lord. And so when we you know, fast forward that to today, there's these powers. Okay, Saudi Arabia is one, Turkey is another, huge Huge power. We got to keep our eye on Turkey, the prophetic eye on Turkey. Iran, Iran is going to have to come into submission to Turkey in order for this coalition to work. So how's that going to happen? And what are the what are the uh, uh, political underpinnings that uh, accelerate that? Certainly, you have Russia and the United States that are uh, on opposite ends of that uh, whole spectrum. But everything that we do. And everything that they do either, you know, intensifies and, and uh, supports Iran or, or brings Turkey more power or Israel less power or Israel more power. Um, and so we, we are players on this, on this world stage. The world events in the Middle East are certainly well worth watching. As Donald Trump stated on January 8th, Iran's hostilities substantially increased after the foolish Iran nuclear deal was signed in 2013, and they were given $150 billion, not to mention $1.8 billion in cash. Instead of saying thank you to the United States, said Donald Trump, they chanted death to America. In fact, they chanted death to America the day the agreement was signed. Then Iran went on a terror spree, funded by the money from the deal, and created hell in Yemen. Syria, Lebanon, Afghanistan, and Iraq. Those are the words of Donald Trump earlier this year. These are the true consequences of bad leadership. These events set in motion by the past president are irreversible and will have even deeper prophetic consequences in the years ahead. As Bill Wilson reminds us, the prophecy clock advances each day because of them. 
And so ends this edition of Hidden Headlines, Faith, Family, Freedom. Thank you for joining me, my friends. More at briansussman.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.